think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 301 of Low Limit Football on this 18th of October, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, major injury news out of the Merseyside Derby as Virgil van Dyke is possibly lost for up to eight months with an ACL injury. We'll discuss the situation. Zlatan Ibrahimovic does Zlatan things in the Derby della Madonina, scoring a brace and keeping Milan perfect on the season. Champions League and Europa League get set to start their group stages this week, and we'll put a bow on the 2020 summer transfer window with our special guest, Zeke Tell from Gianluca DiMarzio, who'll be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Firstly, I, I do have to ask, um, doesn't it suck having to wake up now where it feels like 40 degrees in your home? Oh, it's awful, dude. I, I, you know, I, I hate the winter to begin with. Um, and I've, I've no, I've noticed that I hate it even more, um, as time goes on. And this morning, yeah, my house was a little chilly. I've already run my wood stove once this week and Man, I'm dreading the winter. I'm dreading the winter. And I'm also dreading the second coming of this coronavirus. Um, so we've already mm -hmm. started to stock up on our puzzles. And we started, you know, all the things that we had to find and do back in March, if you remember yep. how we were all trapped in our homes. Um, I've already started to prepare to be retrapped um, and do those things again. So it's it's terrible to think that way. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and, you know, we'll just keep on plugging away until this is uh you know, done and dusted. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a little chilly this morning. My friend, my palm trees that are outside have to come in, I think maybe sometime this week or next week, um, which really closes the summer for us. So, um, let's, uh, let's, let's dig into a great show because obviously we went from the international break on to some big matches on the weekend. Saturday was full wall to wall with huge matches, um, big derbies. We saw some great goals. We saw some injuries. We saw some exciting stuff. So we want to jump into a, a jam-packed show. Let me start out, though, my friend, with the trivia question, if you don't mind. Um, so I have the honor this week, and we've got a Champions League trivia question. 
and it is based on the Champions League proper, so not the European Championship. So this is since 1992-93, which starts with the Marseille-Milan final. Um, From that time to our present day, how many teams have won and lost a Champions League final? How many teams have won and lost? Won and lost since 92-93. How many teams have won and lost. They had to do both, so they had to play in the finals twice. Um, and I have a list of, of teams. If you if you're daring enough, I'm only looking for a number. But if you're daring enough to give me some names, we can go through the list. Okay. Awesome. I, I so so just to clarify, there are teams who have won and lost during that time period. Correct. Correct. They've 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 been on both ends of the uh, of the final. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I can I think I can give you a number. Excellent. So we'll have that answer for you in just a little bit. Let's jump into our um, our opening thoughts. And obviously the opening thoughts today is going to be on the Champions League, which is kicking off this week. We've got some big matches coming up starting on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I want to just go through the groups quickly, kind of give you some predictions as to who we think will move through and, uh, and, and go from there. So, um, Rob, I'm going to throw the first group at you. Let's go right ahead. Group A, um, defending champions Bayern Munich are in this one with RB Sol- um, Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, we we saw the um, you know they had a great run last year. Atletico Madrid and Lokomotive Moscow. Just looking at this one, you know we we've talked about Bayern Munich. They're not perfect on the season anymore. Um, at least I don't think they are. I'm going to go back and look at that real quick. But uh, you know, still incredibly strong. You know they've got. Uh, They've got Robert Lewandowski still scoring goals for them, you know, at will. This is their group to win for me, um, Rob. And when you look at the second place, I've, I've got to think this is going to be Atleti's uh, second place finish. Um, they could, obviously, given how strong they are, and, and obviously the uh, what many would term the all-evil striking twins of uh, Diego Costa and Luis Suarez, they do have a, quite a, you know, to use a lack of a better term, a bite in their uh, in their attack. So, I think Atleti can cause problems for Bayern, but I think this is Bayern's group. What do you think on this one? Yeah, I agree. I think this group is dominated by two teams. I mean, obviously, we will see how Jesse March does with Red Bull Salzburg. Um, certainly, they are a team that can surprise anyone, as we saw maybe last season with the reemergence of Erling, ha- Erling Haaland. So, yeah, I, I generally think that those two are going to take the group and, and qualify to the, to the um, round of 16, but I think Bayern Munich given the talent that they have and, of course, as defending champions, I think they will wholeheartedly decide this group and then go uh, in first place. I, I would I would agree with you as well on that one. So let's move on to Group B. Group B is, is certainly quite intriguing. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, it's always going to be tough to go to Ukraine and play Shakhtar. We know that, that those three matches are going to be difficult for the other three teams. Inter, um, even though they didn't quite show it yesterday, are certainly an improved side. I think they have, you know, under Conte this season, will have something to prove, whether it be in the Serie A or in the Champions League. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna look to um, improve on their on their situation. Real Madrid is always Real Madrid. This is always one of the goals, um, the the winningest team in the Champions League. And Mönchengladbach, you know, had a had a decent season last year. They were, they were battling for the top spot. Um, they're going to look to get uh, some goals through Alessand Plie, who hasn't really gotten up to speed in terms of the goal scoring that they expected when they brought him in from France. I, I think for me, Rob, actually, I'm going to get your your prediction on this one first. 
I I think yeah I think Real Madrid need to underst- understand that this is their expectation as always as we always talk about every season where they want to win the Champions League and that's I think their their goal certainly I think Inter could be the second favorites in this one given the talent that they have but it could be tight I mean Shakhtar Donetsk as you said are, are a side that are tricky to play with especially going away. And Borussia Mönchengladbach are not by any means a, a side that should be any pushover. I think they are a side that are very talented. I mean, they definitely don't have the experience of playing in the Champions League as much, but they are a team that I think any team need to be cautious given how good they've been in, in the Bundesliga over the last few years. So it'll be a tight group, but I think ultimately, I think Real Madrid and Inter will be um, the favorites out of any of them to yeah. qualify to the round of 16. Who wins the group? Real Madrid. I think you're right. I think Real Madrid, I think it's going to be very close, but I think Real Madrid and Inter do move through. Um, but I, I would imagine one of these teams is going to stumble at Shakhtar. That's that's going to be my bold prediction for the group. So, Group C, Manchester City, Marseille, Porto, and Olympiacos. Uh, for me, obviously Manchester City, the class of the group, although you couldn't tell the way, given the way they've started the season, um, you know, obviously it's currently sitting 10th in the Premier League. Um, but I, I think this is this should be a group that they should go through on pretty easy. The second place on this group, I think, is almost impossible to predict. I'm going to take City winning this one. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Porto, but I think Marseille is really going to give them trouble going into this one. I'm going to go City with Porto finishing second, um, but don't be surprised if Marseille finishes there. What do you think of this one? I'm going to be the first contrarian. I think City will win this group, but I, I'm actually convinced by Marseille. I, okay. I think, yes, they are a side that can be a bit tricky. And, and Porto, I think they have a lot of experience playing in this competition and usually qualify to the next round. But I'm going to go bold on this one. I think City win the group, and I think Marseille finish in second. I, you know, I, I think it's going to be very, very close. Um, and you know, Marseille also they have a pretty decent squad. They have Steven Mandanda. You, you know, he's getting old, but at the same time, is still quite uh, quite experienced. Uh, Andre Villas-Boas as an experienced manager for them, so I do think that they have some nice pieces that, that yep. they can Dimitri work Payet. Payet, Payet. Uh, Florian Tovan as well. So they, they do have plenty of, of nice Benedetto. pieces. Benedetto. Benedetto. Yep, uh, Dario Benedetto, the Argentinian as well. So they are a tricky side, um, and that one's going to be interesting to see who finishes second there. Uh, Group D, Liverpool, Atalanta, Ajax, and Michelin. Um, Obviously, you know, a couple of years ago, Ajax were the darlings of this competition, but then were, you know, dismantled. We've seen Hakim Ziyech move on to Chelsea. We've seen um, Matthias Delict go to Juventus. We've seen Frankie Dion go to Barcelona. They, they, they're they certainly not the team they used to be. Atalanta, the darlings of this competition last year, and if it weren't for um, the last minute of a 90-minute match, they would have eliminated the finalist in PSG. Um, Liverpool, obviously with the massive news that, uh, that they may have lost, um, Virgil van Dijk for what might be the season due to an injury. We're still waiting, uh, official word on that. Uh, it does weaken them, but there's still an incredible attack with, 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 um, Sané with, um, um, with, uh, Mo Salah and with Firmino. This for me, I, I'm going to get your prediction on it first, but this is an intriguing group for, to say the least. What do you think of this one, Rob? It really is a is a tasty group. I, I think certainly we understand the pedigree that both Liverpool have in this competition. I think we understand that Atalanta and Ajax have proven in the last few years that they are a side that can surprise people. Um, it is really tight. I think it's similar to the group, to the, um, 
to the previous group where you have an English club dominating. I think they're going to win this group in terms of Liverpool. But you have two sides that can can really fight for it. Um, I think just because of this team that they still have and they have kept along the way, I am going to go for Atalanta in this one. I, I think they are a side that are going to repeat their their plaudits um, that they did last season and, and qualify. So I'm um, putting Liverpool first and Atalanta's runners-up to go I, to the round of 16. I agree with you on that one. And, and I just want to add that, you know, Atalanta bringing back Josef Ilicic uh, into the lineup, you, adding it already to a Luis Muriel and Duban Zapata. Um, I know we didn't get a chance to go back over the uh, World Cup qualifiers in Comebol, but obviously Zapata and, uh, and Muriel certainly were performing extremely well for Colombia in their qualifiers. I, I do think I do agree with you. I think Liverpool and Atalanta will definitely take this one. Um, and I think it's going to be tight at the top. Um, and, and I think that Liverpool-Atalanta match is going to be one of those where you should see goals aplenty. Um, so we'll have to see how that one turns out. Group E, Chelsea, Rena, Sevilla, Krasnodar. This one to me is straightforward. Excited to see Eduardo Camavinga, 17-year-old for Rena coming on. Um, and Rena certainly have gotten off to a great start in, in Ligon as well. I think this is Chelsea and Sevilla to go. Um, you have to question Chelsea's defense. You have to question Kepa, you know, as, as we will all season long. But I think ultimately they are extremely talented up front. And I think Chelsea and, and Sevilla will both move on in this one. Rena, I think, will give Sevilla a fight. But, uh, but I think it'll be uh, Sevilla and Chelsea. Chelsea winning the group. What are your thoughts? I'm actually going to go um, for the same teams. Mm-hmm. I think Sevilla and Chelsea go through. Mm-hmm. But... I think Sevilla finishes top. I think Sevilla wins the group. I think they are a side that have obviously are talented uh, in La Liga. They obviously are the reigning Europa League champions. So while the pedigree might go Chelsea's way, I I, I think Sevilla do it. I, I think it'll be very tight. I, I think it'll probably be down to goal difference or something or or one game that between these two teams that puts the uh, difference of uh, points. But... I see Sevilla winning this group, but I do see obviously both Chelsea and them uh, qualifying. But let's see what Rennes do. You know they're still top of the team, top of the league in in, in Liga. I mean they are the new darlings of the Champions League at the moment. Um, Kamavinga obviously is a talented player, and let's see what he can do with this with this side, and maybe they can cause a surprise. But. I think Sevilla and Chelsea, um, in that order, will go to the round of 16. And Rena, you know, not, it's not only Kamavinga. They've got a couple of nice pieces that are very, very young. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle the pressure of multiple competitions um, as they move through the season. I, I'm excited to see this group for sure. Uh, let's move on to Group F. Uh, Club Rouge, Dortmund, Lazio, Zenit. Rob, what are your thoughts on this one? It really looks like a, a, a tasty group when you think about it. I think Zenit are a side that have obviously you know, are consistently in this competition and the Russian sides always make it hard for any of these teams. Um, having said that, I think Borussia Dortmund are probably the, the team with the most talent and quality out of any of the four teams. I think uh, what you see with players like Haaland, Sancho, Royce, et cetera, et cetera, puts them at the top of the of the tier when it comes to these four teams. Lazio, let's see how they can manage competition, different competitions. I mean, obviously, the, we know how talented they are with the players that they have at their disposal. Um, so I, I think they are one of the favorites to qualify, and I'm going to put them as the favorite. I think it's going to be Dortmund to win the group. And between Lazio and Zenit, it's a tight one, but I think Lazio ultimately go through and qualify. I agree with you on that assessment as well. Um, obviously, Chiro Immobile was something to prove to Dortmund. Um, didn't have the best of times when he went to Germany um, and then moved on to Atleti, where he didn't do quite as well 
also, but uh, the Golden Boot winner in Europe last season. So we'll have to see if he can turn that around. Right now, Lazio have gotten off to a slow start, only scored four goals in their first four matches. So they're going to need to turn that around. Um, and they've got Dortmund up in front right at the beginning of this group. So we'll have to see how that pans out. I do think it'll be Dortmund-Lazio, though, but Zenit, like you said, always going to be tough to play uh, when you have to run to Russia. So Group G, and I think what the... Um, what the the casual fan will find the greatest group to watch. Uh, Juventus, Barcelona, Dinamo Kiev, uh, Fenervaros, and I know I butchered that name. Um, Everyone's excited. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. We get to renew that rivalry again. And, uh, you know, ultimately, Rob, for me, um, this is going to be Juve-Barca. It's going to finish that way. I think that's that's the long and short of it. I don't think Kiev or or, or Fenervaros have any chance at this one. Um, however, the interesting part is going to be who finishes first, who finishes second. And for me, um, I think Juve, you know, and, and we'll talk about this with Zeke in a little bit. I think Juve have done more in this transfer window, um, have improved the areas they needed to. The question always of Pirlo as the head coach, what will he do with this side? He's a brand new coach, so we'll have to see what happens. But um, I'm going to go Juve first, Barca second in this group. I think that's going to go that way. And these two teams also face off fairly early. I think match day two, if I remember correctly. So um, somebody's going to be, quote unquote, struggling um, after that, or at least that's what the pundits will say. But I do think that it will be Juve Barca um, ultimately. And I think Juve takes the group. How about your thoughts? Well, it's a shame that because um, Ronaldo got COVID that we won't be able to see the first leg of that Juve Barca matchup on the 28th. But Having said that, I, I think I agree. I think it's similar in a way to Group E. I think two teams have dominated, uh, or will dominate this group over the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not convinced by Barcelona yet. I, I don't think, yes, they have the pedigree, obviously, in the Champions League and whatnot. But I, I don't think they have enough to, to win this group. And if they don't, uh, it would be by the slightest of margins as well. So, like, goal difference or points between both these two teams. But I agree. I think Juventus wins as... Um, as a group winners in this group, and I think Barcelona go second to qualify to the round of 16. I, I don't know that Cristiano has been ruled out just yet of the match, though. So, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And for American fans, this is going to be the match to watch, not only for that, but for the American yeah. version of this, Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest on opposite sides of the ball, um, I think is going to be something that many American eyeballs will be will, on this match. If it weren't for Ronaldo Messi, um, just for Dest and, uh, and McKinney for sure. So last mm-hmm. group... Um, and again, another tasty one here. Man United, Paris Saint-Germain, the finalists last season. Uh, Bashika Shear and RB Leipzig. Uh, you know, Leipzig. I, I'm, actually, I'm, Rob, let me get your thoughts on this group first. I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, it's a tight group. I think uh, maybe our so-called group of death. I mean, we, we've been debating about that over the last few weeks. I think this is a group that has a lot of, of interest. I mean, certainly you have the team as the Turkish champions. You have... Leipzig aside that went to the semifinals, PSG obviously your finalist, and Manchester United are Manchester United. I think they, they have the pedigree to do so. But having said that, I think um I think it'll be very tight to see. I think PSG ultimately will win this group and I think it's between United and Leipzig, honestly. I think those are the ones that are gonna fight. I mean, although I think Lakashir can probably spoil the party in this mm-hmm. one, but I think United make through. I think they go through. I think they go through by the slightest of margins um, as the runners up, and they join the Parisians to go to the round of sixteen. I agree. PSG is going to win this group. I don't think any of these teams have what it takes to beat PSG as talented as they are. Um, United is so Jekyll and Hyde for me, uh, but I think 
with Leipzig losing Timo Werner, we saw it affect them in the uh, in, in Champions League last season. Uh, the way the Champions League fell, that he had already moved on before Leipzig played their match, and so we've seen them affected. Now they still have Joseph Paulson. They ha- they still have a quite talented uh, team and a young team, but I do think that ultimately, the, I agree with you. United will move through here. Um, and like you said, Basikashir being the Turkish champions, I, I think they could really cause some problems. No one ever has a good time or, or an easy time battling any of the Turkish sides or when they when they go away to Turkey to play. So that's going to be a tough road for all of these teams to to get down. But I think ultimately, like you said, United will, will just edge out RB Leipzig. And I mean, like you said, goal differential, maybe a point here, a point there. It will be very, very tight. But I think PSG, the class of this, I would also you know make a bold prediction here, Rob and tell you that PSG will not uh, drop points in this group. I, I feel like PSG will actually go uh, five for five and, um, um, I'm sorry, six for six and and win the group with a perfect record. That's going to be my, my bold prediction here as well. So, um, again, Champions League kicks off this week. We also have Europa League kicking off this week as well. We'll give you some matches to watch out for towards the end of the show. So um, let's wrap up the Champions League and let's get into uh, our discussion with Zeke. We were just joined a little earlier by Zeke Tell from Gianluca Di Marzio. We had a great conversation about uh, Transfer Window, about Serie A, about the action on the weekend. So without further ado, the Zeke Tell interview. Joining us now on Low Limit Football from DiMarzio, Zeke Tell. Zeke, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back on board. I wanted to open up with a quick question. Some news came out, um, you know, really mainly through social media about Juventus' pursuit of, of Hussein Awar versus Federico Chiesa. Obviously, Chiesa comes to Juventus from Fiorentina, two-year loan with an option to buy. But much was made about um, Pirlo's involvement or what I saw about this with Pirlo's involvement in this transfer, where many have stated that Pirlo chose Chiesa over Awar because he was looking for a winger more so than a midfielder. Um, Just your reflection on the Chiesa move, because it did come very late in the transfer window, and what it means to Juve moving forward. Hey, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I mean, look, I'm a fan of the move for if no other reason than the finances. It was kind of a no-brainer. I don't know if you agree with that. But for me, I mean, Chiesa may not be the most beloved player in Italy these days. Uh, I think um, his stock has fallen in, uh, maybe even for the last uh, 12 to 30 to 24 months or so. But um, uh, he's still got talent. Um, he can, if he can prove it at a big club like Juventus, he can be... He can be a nice piece that they can add depth to their team. Um, so, good move. Uh, Alwar, different player, like you said, but I think fi- financially, Juventus might have made the, m- the right move here rather than outlaying a lot of cash up front, which it seemed like was potentially a, uh, a tripwire for them this year. You know, they really had to watch their finances. They really took a big hit with letting some of their veteran players leave, um, like Higuain. And so, yeah, it was. I, I think you didn't really see a Juventus with the full force of their kind of the strong, the might that you know them for operating in this transfer window. So, yeah, if they had to make concessions on on the number of targets, limiting the number of targets, and, and you know, and kind of setting their sights on players who had financially uh, uh, convenient contracts and, and financially convenient situations for them to land, I think uh, that's kind of how you saw. Juventus driving their market and you know they had a a brand new coach um, and so it was kind of uh, a little bit left up in the air how all the pieces were going to fit together um, going from the end of the transfer window into the start of the season so 
you know, I don't, I don't know if you if you have a, a full sense of how Pirlo's style is yet, and how you know the results have been a little up and down um, to start. But um, yeah, I think it, it's still kind of a, a cloudy picture for them. I'll actually jump into that and th- thank you, um, Zeke, for for allowing me to do so. Um, to Joe, I mean, certainly it, it was always going to be a tough task to see how Andrea Pirlo ha- can. Um, can do with this Juventus side with a lot of stars with a lot of talents. I mean, certainly we didn't see the best of it yesterday and obviously it makes sense given that they weren't at full strength against Crotone, but I'll, I'll jump into you on this one, Joe, you know, how did you assess Juventus's start of the season now, especially now since at the time of recording, they're about to start off their new uh, campaign for the Champions League. Well, you're really, you, you, you know, in terms of Pirlo, you're really seeing him kind of marry himself to this three, five, two system. Um, he's gone with or or some version of it. We saw, I believe it was a three four two one or something along those lines yesterday, um, going into the Crotone match, and he's he's married himself to three in the back, and I think that's it's interesting to see that, um, especially when I think of players like Juan Cuadrado, for who for me on the Juve side is very. Um, underappreciated. Uh, Juan Cuadrado for me is is one of the MVPs of this team because he can play wing back, he can play defensive. Um, you know, he can play in the back four. He can play on the wing in a three five two. He can do a lot of different things for you. And I think it's an easy transition for Pirlo to make to the three five two, especially given the amount of midfielders he does have. Um, you know, and he has some strength there and some youth now with with McKinney, with Artur, with with uh, Betancourt. You know, Adrian Rabio has, has looked. Uh, reborn and refreshed so he's got a a nice crop there Aaron Ramsey I should you know I neglected to add his name and he's got defenders that are veterans uh in terms of Bonucci and Chiellini who have played that 3-5-2 system for a very very long time so um I think Pirlo is going with something that he is kind of familiar with and 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 many of the players are familiar with and can play in that system um and and I and you know for for that standpoint, I think I think it's gone very well. Um, going back to the Chiesa thing, Zeke, I I agree with you in the fact that you know he's kind of not loved. I think people have expected much more of Federico Chiesa, um, especially on the national team side. I think Fiorentina had gotten to the point where it was, Fiorentina was holding him back a little bit, uh, and we saw him yesterday against Crotone, where he looked a little lost in the first, I'd say, ten maybe fifteen minutes of the match at at the most. But once he found his feet, he was incredible. I mean, we saw that youth. I mean, you got to remember, he's 22 years old. Um, and we saw him really take charge of that match. And really, it was an, an awful officiating call that gave him the straight red card and sent him off. Because he was, you know, not for nothing. But if, if Chiesa stays on that pitch yesterday, Juve wins that match easily. 3-1, 4-1. I, I mean, they were really starting to grow into the game. And it was all on the shoulders of, of Chiesa. And they did that without Dybala. They did it without Cristiano Ronaldo. So that, you know... No, Weston McKinney, uh, Aaron Ramsey never saw the pitch. So they they did that against Crotone with a B side and then a 10-man um, Juve. So Chiesa, uh, you know, he's an interesting piece. He's another one of these winger-type players, um, kind of moving Bernardeschi out of the way at this point. The way things are going is kind of a repeat as to what happened at Fiorentina a few years ago. Um, but I, I think Pirlo is starting to grow into this 3-5-2. I think he's going to kind of stick with it because the team – especially in that first match, looked very, very dynamic, um, very exciting, very fluid. Um, It was not um, as pragmatic as we've seen under Conte and under Allegri, and even to an extent under Sadi. It was was actually kind of boring, which was shocking under Sadi. So I think moving forward, that that 3-5-2, Pirlo will get them to start playing that way. It's a familiar system to to many on the team, 
and it is something that I think uh, will benefit Juve well when they as they move forward, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at one team that's also been having a good start of the season in Italy, and that's Milan. Um, looking at their win at the Derby della Maddalena against Vita Rivals Inter, they're currently for in first place. Zeke, I mean, looking at how they were able to do good business over the um, over the summer, you know, having a transfer balance of about plus 31 million pounds or something along those lines, they've really started very well. I mean, you know, certainly it's early days and we can't assess an entire season uh, within four games, given that them, Sosuolo and um, and Juventus are the only unbeaten teams in, in all of Syria at the moment. But, I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is providing kind of a, a being a modern day Benjamin Button at 39 years old scoring a brace in that in that derby I mean I mean how, would you expect anything else Robert <laughs> no that's exactly that's that's a good point and certainly I think a lot of people were also just a bit on the edge and thinking okay what can Slaton offer at 39 but I guess he's just as like like wine and, and using a reference of Joe given that he likes wine as well he's getting so much better uh with time so how have you assessed Milan's uh, start of the season so far? And do you think that they can continue it with the with the team that they have? Yeah, it's funny. I, we were talking about the table uh, before we joined on. And, and I think if you just looked at it based on the first four four games of the season, you'd say Milan are the, the Blue Bloods. Uh, Napoli are there as the, the team right on their tail. And then Sassuolo is the new Atalanta, who is the team who's up there to spoil it all. You know, rather than Juventus being the, the, the team at, at top and Inter being their main competition. So it is early. Um, but, you know, I think that the fact that you see some of these changing of the roles and, and you know, the narrative throughout the season is definitely going to change uh, based on, you know, which team is in form and which team's getting the, res- the results and which team has the, the right luck and, you know, and everything that goes into, you know, winning. I think that it's going to be, uh, you're going to see a lot of different teams at the top. And Milan's really, I think, uh, sees the opportunity to go up top, you know, go up front early in the year. It's interesting they started with um, Europa League qualifiers. So maybe a little bit more time to gel with the rest of the team after the, the sort of the weird, uh, you know, late summer break that they that all the teams had this year. Um, and the moves they made, they've strengthened the team. Um they have depth, which is something that they really lacked the past few years. Um, really, in, you know, in terms of, of you know getting rotation and, and having uh, pieces in different positions that can be difference makers, um, rather than sort of relying on. It seemed like kind of the whatever man was sitting on the bench was was who was going to have to contribute if, if someone was injured or red carded or or what have you. Um, so yeah, early results are very very good, and, and Zlatan certainly is the the center of gravity of the team. And, you know, when you look at the, the, you know, the backbone of the team, the defense, the goalkeeping, it's, it's, it's all there. I mean, the signs are there for, for a really strong team. And they, you know, they play differently than, than a lot of the teams at Syria. They play back four rather than Inter's back three. And I think tactically Milan looked like their, their plan worked last night. So uh, yeah, good results. And uh, yeah, they're leading the, they're leading the charge so far. And one team that also is impressing so far, despite them not able to uh, go unbeaten due to a, um, obviously them not showing up to Turin, which allowed Juventus to get a 3-0 win over uh, over them, it's Napoli. I mean, certainly I think Gennaro Gattuso has gotten this side very well. I think they, they were able to keep some of the key pieces that they had, such as uh, Kalido Koulibaly. You know, they were able to bring in Victor Oshman, which 
a lot of people are saying it has been the, the transfer of the of the of the summer in Syria. I mean, as we we probably saw how serious they are in their four one thrashing over Atalanta, which I know all of us here know how special Atalanta can be when attacking and then love to score goals for fun. But you know, is obviously they still have to play Juventus. I think they st- obviously still have to play the direct rivals in, you know, obviously Juventus, Inter, Milan, and so on and so forth. But is this Napoli side serious? Are they really a serious contender for this for this uh, Scudetto, Zeke? I mean, you know, it's still early days, as I said. You know, they still have to deal with the Europa League and, and whatnot. But looking at what they have, I, I think they can really provide a, a bit of a dent in this entire race, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, did... Just watching what they did yesterday was so, so impressive. Um, Chucky Lozano, a player who you didn't mention just now, but, you know, he's he looks like he belongs. Last year, he looked a little lost. And, you know, as a, he's a player I like, so I always hope that he would turn it around. And, oh, my God, he has. He's been – that's four goals, I think, to start the year already. Um, he's been fantastic. Fantastic. Aussie men, also fantastic. And that was a, that was a huge transfer. Napoli broke their, their club record fee. cost them $77 million. Uh, to bring in from Lille and yeah he got his goal yesterday but he's been working hard for the team and and, and he's a he's uh, he seems like he's the, the, really the perfect striker not only to to play in this Napoli but you know he's he's got enough of the technique that to really thrive in Italy and you know all of the the, the other things that he brings the the pace the aerial ability um, you know for 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 a, for you know a physical player like he is is yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, this just occurred to me yesterday, and it's a, a North American sports comparison, so maybe you guys will will back me up on this. But Napoli kind of reminds me of the Atlanta Braves. You know, they're they're really they're, they seem like they're really well run. I mean, just talking from a financial perspective, they they've um, they're they're they run a profit, which in Italy is almost unheard of. Um, so that that financial acumen allowed them to make a lot of the moves that allowed them to improve their team on the pitch so much um but as far as the comparison you know they're they're well run they they seem seemingly bring in the right pieces to kind of keep turning over and reinventing and and competitive and the braves are playing in the uh nlcs game seven tonight um they have they're located in the south of the country they have a uh you know a legendary figure hank aaron diego maradona who uh who who won and, and succeeded at their club so interesting <laughs> comparison perhaps but yeah. you know i i'm i'm thinking i mean i i would agree with the, with the Braves being run so I, the way they're run I, I would agree with that part of it but you've got to find a team that has like an eccentric owner that um ooh okay yeah so that's that's the missing piece and i can't well they do have an owner in the media maybe ted turner yeah they do they do but he's not he's not as cuckoo as uh de Laurentiis. i don't at least i don't think i mean so adl wins okay yeah yeah it, yeah so you, you need you need somebody that that you know i almost want to go jerry jones and the cowboys um and and the cowboys you know i i would say are fairly well run but uh, but I I think the Braves are better run organization. I I, I do agree with uh, yeah, you. Yeah, and I think looking at I think you can call them old class them as overachievers, whereas the Cowboys mm-hmm. might be seen as underachievers just based off of the you know the brand and everything they possess. Amen. Yeah, unfortunately, I live that dream every day. So, <laughs> um, sorry. We'll, we'll bring it back to to, to football or calcio, you know. And um, and I and I was glad you brought up uh, Victor Osman because. Uh, seeing him get that goal uh, yesterday was was really a big 
a big uh, weight off of his shoulders um, in that Atalanta match, especially the way Napoli just totally commanded that Chucky Lozano with the brace, like you said. Um, it was something else. I, you know, this season, it's, it's got to be a COVID thing because I, I didn't even realize that Lozano's already scored four goals in the season. He's uh, tied on the top of, of the table. I mean, obviously it's early days, and there are currently five players with four goals so far in the season. One of them is the aforementioned Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which, um, like like Rob had mentioned, um, you know, what wine would he be? And I sent him uh, Chateau Latour, uh, which would be one of the best Bordeaux that you can get, um, usually with a with a big Bordeaux, you know, a big French wine like that. It's it, The longer it ages, the better it gets to a certain point. But um, but he's, like a, like you said, a fine wine that is just continuing to grow and age and become more complex as it goes on. And, and here he is, top of the uh, scoring table um, for uh, the Serie A at the moment, even though it's a short season. So, um, Zeke, I wanted to end with, with what we started with talking about, and that was about transfers. Um, we've talked about Osamen coming over. We, we've talked about a few other players. We talked about Chiesa. Um, for for you, what teams are the winners and what teams are the losers in this in this really this weird transfer window that we had? It was very short. Um, it wasn't as high priced. Um, there were a lot of loan deals. So, what teams, in your opinion, were the winners and losers of this transfer window? Yeah, I'm going to go back and talk about Juventus because I feel like I maybe uh, gave the wrong impression. I think that they're still the strongest team by far. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not not bringing them down to to anyone else's level. I think there's still a gap exists between them. And I think you saw them in this transfer window. They strengthened positions. They got rid of players who didn't fit in the squad anymore. They brought in Kulisevsky, who's probably, along with alongside Ossiman, I think you could give a... Uh, I, I mean, I guess after yesterday's performance, maybe the Napoli player gets it, but they were both... is uh, also a great addition, and, and they strengthened their midfield tremendously. Um, so I like the moves that Juventus made, uh, without a doubt. Um, Milan, Rob mentioned, um, did a good job, I think, adding a lot of depth to their team um, and helping pluck players from other teams and away from rivals. Look at Tonali, who ended up not going to Inter. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as you can make a judgment from one match, I think you saw the way Colorado performed yesterday. You saw Ericsson come on and kind of be anonymous. I guess he wasn't a new addition last year, but you know, um, the, you know, the inter midfield is was looking a little old and, and and a little kind of unable to keep up. And man, they they had they brought in Hakimi, who is I think eventually will provide assists galore to Lukaku and Lotaro. So um, I, you know, I think Inter had a good window, but they also made some questionable moves, and I think you saw that come and bite them uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, looking at Inter. Sometimes in the transfer window, it's not the move that you do make; it's the move you don't make. And I think keeping Lautaro Martinez for at least another season is is huge for them. Um, you know, as that second as that second scoring option and, and a lethal one at that, um, I think would serve Inter very well. I think if they went into this um, into this season with only Lukaku and and not having Lautaro because he was rumored to go to Barcelona, um, I think it might have been a little tougher for Inter to find goals this season. Um, more so than last season, and I think it would have damaged them a little bit, don't you think? Uh, I'm not worried about Inter that much. Mm-hmm. I think that Conte is, without a doubt, one of the strongest managers in Serie A. And, yeah, they score goals. He has a system where he is constantly uh, sending players forward and, and sending balls to his strikers, and, and those two guys know exactly what to do with the ball. I mean, you see it so often. 
they get one 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 ball uh, to their feet, one touch, turn and score. I mean, uh, that that system is proven itself and it works. And he's got the pieces. And and Lotaro is still on track to be a superstar striker at Inter, at Barca, wherever he ends up, or at Argentina maybe in in a couple of years. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that 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 their strike forces. I think I think the um, playing in the the final in the Europa League last year might have kind of be responsible for some of Inter's slow start. Um, so I think I think you'll see them round out. And when we look at the table at the end of the year, is it going to look more like last year's table or is it going to look like a completely new uh, ball field? I think no one knows. And I think that's what makes it's going to what's going to make this Serie A season so exciting. So looking forward to uh, seeing everything that goes that goes on in it. Yeah. You know, everyone everyone always talks about the battle for the top four. I, I, I really feel like there are about seven teams that could battle for the top four in Italy this year. So. Um, it is certainly going to be exciting. Zeke, before we let you go, where can everybody find your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Tell. Uh, you can find everything I do linked through there. And, um, yeah, it's been great talking to you guys, and I really appreciate being on with you. Always a pleasure to have you on, and always looking forward to the next time we can get you back here, man. Thanks again. Sounds good. And thanks again to Zeke Tell for joining us on the show. Rob, let me give you some matches of the week to look out for this week. We've got some great ones, and we'll get back to the trivia question. So on Tuesday... We start our Champions League coverage with Lazio Dortmund that we talked about earlier, 3 p.m. And we go back to uh, Conway Ball with the Copa Libertadores. Uh, we have the, mat- the last match day of the group stages for the Libertadores. River Plate, LDU Quito, we're going to highlight that one at 8.30 p.m. On Wednesday, Bayern Atleti, 3 p.m. That's going to be a great matchup. And then Independiente da Valle, Barcelona at 8.30 p.m. in the Libertadores. On Thursday, we will kick off the Europa League with Celtic AC Milan at 3 p.m followed by Boca Juniors Caracas in the Libertadores at 8.30 p.m. And MLS will start our league week with a Thursday matchup between the Seattle Sounders and the Portland Timbers at 10.30 p.m. On Friday, we go to the EPL. Aston Villa leads at 3 p.m. is a tasty one there. Then on Saturday, we uh, head to Italy with Atalanta Sampdoria at 9 a.m., Bayern Eintracht Frankfurt at 9.30 a.m. And then on Sunday, we have Leon Monaco in Ligon at 4 p.m. I held out one particular match because it is the big one on the weekend. Saturday, 10 a.m. in La Liga, El Clasico, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Both teams coming off of losses on the week. This is also going to be tasty because these teams are going to get ready for their Champions Leagues. This is a huge match to have this early in the season. So the big one that we're going to highlight this week, the El Clasico, Barcelona, Real Madrid, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Rob, let me get back to the trivia question for you, my friend. And I gave it to you a little earlier. I was looking for a number. Since the 92-93 season, which is the advent of the quote-unquote Champions League as a conversion from the European finals, can you give me a number as to how many teams have won and lost a Champions League final? I can't. I'll give you the number first. Okay. I think that's, um, I just want to make sure I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it eight teams? Close. Very close. Because if you're going to give me some teams, I'm going to give you the answer. It is nine teams. Okay. So I I need, I'm missing one more. So I have all the teams that I think are it. I'm trying to miss that. Go for it. Okay. So the first one obviously is Bayern. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich has won and lost. I'm going to give you Barcelona. Barcelona as well. Juventus. Juve. Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund. AC Milan. AC Milan. Liverpool. Liverpool. Chelsea. Chelsea. Manchester United. Yes, sir. One more. Oh, and God. we actually talked about them quite heavily in our preview. 
no, it can't be them. No, because they... It's not, it can't be Real Madrid because they lost. It is not. They didn't lose. It is not Real yeah, Madrid. Yeah, but they didn't lose. It's not Inter. Nope, it's it is not Inter. Not signed in Milan. And it's a team that, so they are in the Champions League. Um, they are in the Champions League this year? They are, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Ajax, is it? It is Ajax. It is Ajax, okay. Ajax. Yep, Ajax have won and lost, and I'm actually going, I'm, I'm going to get to my... Uh, my Champions League finals. I'm trying to find the info for you uh, real quick and to give you the actual years when that happened um, so that uh, so that I can, you know, I can at least uh, list of European Cup champions. Give me one moment and I will have it for you since since the 92-93 season. Um, Ajax won it in 94-95 and they lost it in, uh, they beat uh, AC Milan 1-0. And in ninety five ninety six, Ajax lost to Juventus um, after a one one draw. So they uh, Juve won on penalties. So Ajax have also won and lost the Champions League. So the nine teams: Barcelona, AC Milan, Ajax, Juventus, Dortmund, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, and Chelsea—all teams that have won and lost the Champions League in the modern era, my friend. So, with nothing left on the docket, uh, let me give you the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 301 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Zeke Tell from DeMarzio for joining us. Next week, we will talk more Champions League as we'll give you the breakdown of week one. We will talk Europa League. We will look at who's moved through at the Copa Libertadores and give you all the league action. So, for episode 301 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I am Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>